BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of sports, DFS, and gambling. With over five years of hot takes and millions of downloads later, I guess he's been doing something right. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Hello, everyone. It is Sunday fun day, so you know what that means. We've got more NFL action on tap today. I mean, let's get right down to it. I, I mean, Thursday night, we had the repeat of Monday Night Football with inexplicable comebacks and terrible coaching as the Raiders blew that game uh, to the Rams and Baker Mayfield. I mean, the less said about it, the better. I mean, the fact that Josh McDaniels wasn't fired the next day just kind of confirms the whole story about the Raiders being so cash-strapped that they can't afford to pay Gruden and Josh McDaniels in the unemployment line. So, I mean, <laughs> take from that what you will, but we, we got to be targeting Vegas moving forward because it's too obvious that between uh, Jacobs and Devontae Adams, one of them's going off, more than likely, and then you take the other side against the Raiders' defense, it, it, even... Baker, not knowing the playbook, still was able to rally uh, that Rams offense, which is in complete shambles. Still got it done. Th- th- that's how bad the Raiders are right now with uh, McDaniels. But be that as it may, we got to get into the Sunday slate here. And let's start off with the bat. Uh, Tyler Huntley in for the Ravens as they travel to play the Steelers. Uh, I love this game because it's a 37 total. No one wants to play this game. I get why no one wants to play this game. But you got Tyler Huntley at 5,500. He's going to scramble. You know he's not really thrown down the field. So who is he going to target? He's going to target his tight ends. So to me, this is a garbage point, like <laughs> like dump-off season for uh, Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely. I, I-, I know... It's a 37 total, and everyone always kind of scoffs where you're just like, why are we targeting this game? Well, we target games like this if we can actually see some upside with uh, receptions. And to me, this is one of those weird games where we're trying to save money uh, because we're trying to target Jefferson and Amon Ross St. Brown in the Vikings-Lions game. Here's how we kind of get different a bit. I look at this from the standpoint of we might be able to get some action because of uh, how uh, how dysfunctional uh, the Ravens are at the moment. I mean, they, they, uh, Mark Andrews has a receiving prop of four and a half catches, and in terms of receiving yards, he's at uh, 60. For the tight end position... That's actually pretty solid. Like you, you, you're getting at least a predicted uh, of uh, ten, and you're uh, 
at least uh, like 14 points, 6,500. Yeah, is it a ceiling game? No, but if he gets in the end zone, there you go. Isaiah Likely, on the other hand, you know, you're not going to get projections on him because Andrews is there. But if we're being realistic with ourselves, why wouldn't they? the Ravens go double tight end? Double tight end makes the most sense. Now, people are going to project Isaiah Likely for probably five points or less. But if we're going double tight end the entire game, and you know uh, the Steelers are going to blitz, Huntley's got to dump the ball off. The most likely guys to get the receptions are Andrews and Likely when they go double tight end. And you know they're going to be covering Andrews. I still think Isaiah Likely gets four to five catches today, and you never know. He might be, he's fast enough that he can actually get away from uh, the Steelers' uh, defense, uh, defensive backs and just run over some people. That's why at 2,700, it's a pump play. The ownership, it, it, like people are going to go with Chico Conquo on the Titans side, and we'll get to that game in a bit. And it's it, it's a fine play. I'm not going to like question Oconquo because I'm going to be playing Oconquo. But what I am saying is, some people are going to argue you should play uh, uh, Greg Dolchich against the Chiefs. But if Dolchich is going to be 25% owned at 3,400, realistically, you're waiting for that Chiefs game to bust. Now, are like I get why we play Dolchich. I'm not saying no. And I know I'm getting off track here because we were talking about the Steelers and Bengals. But from a game theory perspective, if everyone is playing Dolchich, why wouldn't you look at a like a 10% or less on Mark Andrews and an Isaiah Likely, who's going to be a millimaker dart play at less than 2% ownership when they are likely to get as many targets as Dolchich? Like, I think people forget like how broken the Broncos offense is. It's not as though Greg Dolce is going to be getting 12 targets from Russell uh, Wilson today. Mark Andrews is going to be getting 12 targets today with the Ravens offense. Uh, like I, I, I'm, I'm struggling with, uh, with the thought process here because I see a lot of people going to Dolchich and I'm not, I'm not getting it. I, I, I'm really not getting it. People are like trying to punt. Um, I mean. You know, yeah, Dolchich can get there. I'm just saying, it's like, how are you going to get different if over ha- uh, over 30% of the field is going to be playing Dolchich today, especially in high stakes? I, I just think you're going to have to do something a little bit differently uh, uh, to to separate yourself. But that's from a DFS uh, standpoint. From an actual game perspective, I mean, this is the Ravens trying to lock up a playoff spot without Lamar. And the Steelers are being favored with Kenny Pickett on the center. I I still think that with the struggles the Ravens have had closing out games, yes, we we could see the Steelers win this game. But I have no qualms whatsoever about taking the uh, Ravens in a teaser and teasing this game up to an... uh, uh, You might might see some lines at uh, plus one and a half. Uh, See if you can get the... Uh, plus two line and just tease it up to eight. Like I don't see the Steelers like winning this game by more than a touchdown. If that, I still think the Ra- Ravens w- uh, can win this game. So to me, this is a classic teaser spot. Throw the Ravens in the teaser and, and move on. But you know, from a fantasy perspective and a game theory perspective, I'm looking at this game and I'm saying everyone's playing Dolchich at tight end because no one knows what the hell to do at tight end. And I'm saying you got two options at tight end with the Ravens game and, and looking at it. I know people are going to play Friar move uh, for the Steelers because they're, they're obsessed with making Friar move work. I'm not as big on the Friar move play, but listen, if Dolchich is 30% owned, Friar move is a fine play. <laughs> it's like to me, like I know he's 4,500, but I, I, I have a, tr- I have some difficulties with some of these uh, uh, plays today, if if the Broncos' offense was actually good, I could get the Dolchich play at thirty percent ownership. Like I could get it as a play, 
But man, the ownership is so high. It's it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough this week uh, in terms of the pricing. I, I think we're I think we're getting a little bit uh, like in our own heads here in terms of like what we think is going to be a good play today uh, by just trying to save money with the Dolchich side of things. So that's enough about this game and enough about uh, Greg Dolchich for now. We're moving on to the Bengals and Cleveland. Man, Deshaun Watson was bad last week, but realistically, we talked about this. He hadn't played in two years, basically. I, I mean, him struggling against the Texans, we shouldn't have been surprised by that. The surprising part was the fact that the uh, Browns could not run on the Texans' uh, defensive line. I don't know what the hell went on with that match. And I kept watching watching the tape just to see what the hell happened to the Cleveland offensive line. And the, the, I, I still don't have an answer for it. But here's the thing. The Bengals are getting healthier. Cleveland, I mean, that was about as big of a dud as you can get. Cleveland needs to win this game. They're 5-7. and seven. Bengals 8-4. and four. Bengals try to lock up a playoff spot. They're in the same boat as the Ravens. They need to, get, they need to take care of business. To me, uh, they get the big win over the Chiefs. I expect them to get Joe Mixon back and run him right at the Browns' defense. And, yes, we'll get some Jamar Chase uh, opportunities uh, uh, down the sideline uh, as a result of that. I do like the Bengals' passing game. I do like Joe Burrow with T. Higgins and uh, Jamar Chase. To me, the question is, does Cleveland do anything to make this a competitive game? Amari Cooper... May or may not play. It, 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 it's it's very questionable with the hip issue if uh, Amari Cooper plays today. And given the struggles uh, Deshaun had last week, the Bengals are a better defense than the Texans. This this could get ugly. That's why I look at it. I'm saying Mixon and P Ryan are still in play. Um, I'm I still have some other options uh, before I necessarily pivot to P Ryan, but. I would say that P. Ryan is still a possibility because of the fact that, you know, they are likely to still work in some of the passing game. It's just not, it's just the pricing for P. Ryan at 6,300, it makes it tough. And it's like, it's, it's, it's almost one of those situations where, you know, we, uh, DraftKings didn't know the pricing, uh, if, uh, Mixon was going to be still cleared or not, so they they still kept P. Ryan's price high. If P. Ryan was five hundred dollars less, I, I mean, I'd I'd be uh, I'd be pumping the gas for uh, playing P. Ryan again this week as a differential play. But it's a it's a bit tough because like at, at, uh, if he was fifty eight hundred, you could use him as a pivot play off of uh, this DeAndre Swift chalk that we're going to get to a bit later on that. I want to discuss, but uh, for the game itself, I feel comfortable with the Bengals. I think they went by more than a touchdown. Uh, I'm more than comfortable betting on the Bengals side here today. Uh, moving on, Dallas and Houston. Okay, Texas got their win for the year. They got their one win for the year. Lord knows, uh, y- you know, it's 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 it's, it's still comical. That the Browns lost that. I mean, I can't get over that game. I can't get over the Texans like last week with the defense that they had. It, like it's actually wild that uh, the Texans like shut down the Browns' running game. I, I can't get over that one. Like I'm still in shock over how that game played out because. The more I kept watching it, the more I, I still couldn't believe that the Texans, with the worst rush defense in the league, and actually I shouldn't say that the, the Texans uh, Texans still lost last week, but the, I mean it was a moral victory for the Texans because uh, that was supposed to be the Deshaun breakout game, and the only reason why the Browns won is because they had a defensive touchdown, a special teams touchdown, and uh, a kickoff return touchdown. Yeah, it was a yeah, it was a defensive touchdown. Oh no, not the uh, kick return touchdown, the punt return touchdown. Yeah, the f- defensive touchdown. Oh yeah, so two defensive. So it was like a fumble recovery touchdown, 
uh, interception touchdown, and then the punt return touchdown. And, like, it, it was utterly bizarre. But from a moral victory standpoint, folks, like, without all the blunders on special teams and uh, Kyle Allen being terrible, uh, you know, the Texans won that game 14-6. to So there, there's that. The moral victory win. But anyway, uh, Dallas going to kill this team. <laughs> like, straight up going to kill this team. Uh, Zeke... Zeke is looking for his performance bonuses. Uh, Tony Pollard is uh, looking to get paid in the offseason. Dallas could very well rush for over 200 yards today. I'm still trying to figure out how to do a lineup that makes sense with both Zeke and Tony Pollard. It may, And I know it sounds dumb to double up on both running backs in the same game. Because it's the ultimate negative correlation. Because only one of them can get points. It's the ultimate negative correlation on a on a on a uh, like on a twelve. Uh, we got over twelve games today uh, for the main slate. It's a terrible idea, but hear me out. There's a very real chance that the Cowboys rush for over two hundred yards today. Zeke could get two uh, vulture touchdowns, and then Tony Pollard could still run for over one hundred thirty yards today and a touchdown. Like th- there could be three. Uh, Three or more rushing touchdowns from the Cowboys, and it wouldn't shock me in the slightest. If you look at the rushing uh, uh, rushing yard uh, props, Tony Pollard's at sixty-eight and a half. Zeke's at sixty-seven and a half. Tony Pollard is still priced at uh, at sixty-seven hundred. You can get Zeke at sixty-one hundred. Now we all know Tony Pollard's the better running back by far, but. Given that the Cowboys are going to just run Zeke because he's uh, Jerry Jones's favorite player, you have to start thinking about realistically how we how we're going to manage some of these games. And to me, I, like the Texans, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's like the Texans are a terrible run defense. They are a terrible run defense. I still can't figure out what happened last week, but Dallas, they can't be. Messing around with some of these games at this point. They need to try to win the division. And so I just think they run it down the Texans throat. It's a 16 and a half spread. We can't bet the Cowboys with a 16 and a half spread. Uh, it's just not going to work. Uh, betting a spread that wide. So we got to look at the props. And to me, the rushing yard props, I think are low on both Zeke and Tony Pollard. I think they both are running for well over 75 yards today. That's why I think Dallas could run for over 200 yards today combined. And it's just going to be Tony Pollard breaking off a huge run, but Zeke is still going to get the goal line work. So you could get three rushing touchdowns, Zeke with two of them, Tony Pollard gets one, and they're both scoring uh, over 20 points today. Like, that's that's the scary part. You could get both running backs over 20 points today. I don't think it's crazy at all to say it. So from my perspective, yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to work in some uh, double Cowboys running back uh, uh, running back uh, uh, lineups because to me, like the only other, uh, I don't see I don't see another team with as high of a ceiling from a, a, a running back standpoint than Zeke and uh, Tony Potter. Yes, we know. Derrick Henry against the Jags. We know the record of Derrick Henry versus uh, the Jags. Like, he's had great games. Don't get me wrong. But, Derrick Henry is still going to be over 20% owned. You're going to get Tony Pollard at 20% ownership and Zeke at half that ownership. If you play uh, one of those guys with uh, Derrick Henry... You're you're probably going to be duped by a, a number of people. You play Tony Pollard and Zeke together. No one's going to play that lineup because it's kind of dumb. And yes, I know I sound dumb for su- suggesting something that's negatively correlated. But if you're game scripting this, there's a very real chance that the Cowboys run for over 200 yards today. A very re- distinct possibility. So to me, you know. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna f- try to figure it out. It's like it, it's still a work in progress, but I, I absolutely believe there's a there's a pathway 
to making a double Zeke and Tony Pollard lineup work. Uh, but uh, nothing further from this game. Uh, yeah, you, you we could you could play CD Lamb every single week, but until Dak and that passing game look a little bit better, I, I don't feel like it's justified paying the prices on Zeke and Dak uh, for them to figure it out. Yeah, they, can, can they dick around again like they have for past couple of weeks, uh, trying to make the passing game work? Yeah, because uh, uh, like uh, you know. The issue is CD CD Lamb is seventy five hundred. You got Dak at um, I want to say Dak was uh, like uh, over. I want to say Dak was uh, sixty five hundred. Yeah, he's sixty five hundred. I, I just I just think there are too many other options in both price ranges that I don't think you necessarily need to target the Cowboys uh, passing game today. Um, maybe Schultz, if you want to punt at tight end, but just because tight end is all over the place today. Um, but we'll go from there. Uh, next up, Tennessee hosting the Jags, uh, Jags, uh, coming in at three point underdogs to the Titans. Derrick Henry owns the Jags. Uh, and so the narrative is going to be Derrick Henry can run for over 150 yards today. And we could get the Derrick Henry smash spot. I, I, I'm not going to say no, but I am going to say that the Jags have been somewhat better run defense-wise that could they quit on the game? Yeah, they could quit, but if I got the Texans against the Cowboys' offensive line, why am I messing around with Derrick Henry and paying a premium for Derrick Henry on top of it? Derrick Henry is going to cost you 7900 which, again, by Derrick Henry prices, not that bad. It's not that bad, but the the crux of the problem is, is that so many other uh, uh, places uh, are priced up this week that the 7900 actually does kind of limit you in terms of your roster construction. Because believe me, I, I I've been I've been playing with the optimizers, and if you're playing Derrick Henry with one of the Cowboys running backs, you you either need to play a James Cook. Or punt at tight end. And uh, take another cheap wide receiver. It's like you get, you, you almost need two punts to make Derrick Henry work this week. And I don't know if that's enough. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not entirely, I'm not entirely sure that's necessarily the way to go. So to me, I like Derrick Henry. But the reason why I like the Titans matchup is Chico Conquo. Because you got no trail on Burks. Someone in the passing game has to make a big play for Derrick Henry. And the best athlete on the Titans without trailing Burks is Chickaconquo. So uh, the Titans have been trying to make a concerted effort to get this guy the ball in the slot. Because he's really a wide receiver. He's not a tight end. He's a wide receiver. So they're trying to give him the ball in the slot and just let him run. And so far... He's he the last couple of weeks he's he's gotten some of these big chunk plays uh for 30 plus yards and they only ran like three or four of them uh like try to run three or four of them per game. They say they're trying to get it get him more work and that's what's leading to increased ownership on him. I still look at this as untapped opportunity because of the fact that if you don't have uh Anyone who can get separation on the Titans from a wide receiver standpoint, somebody has to make a play. And to me, Chico Conquo, uh, the yardage props uh, this week have them at uh, uh, 34, uh, 34 yards. 34 yards from a tight end is pre- pretty good. I mean, uh, you're not seeing a receiving yard prop because he's probably only getting two or three plays. But if he can get that into the end zone, I see, like, I got no problems with the Chickaquanquo uh, pump play. But I am going to say that the uh, opportunities for Isaiah Likely are, oh, man, I almost did it. <laughs> should be higher. I, like, should be higher. I'm not doing the Likely pun. Oh, man, I was I was so close to doing the pun unintentionally. Uh, it already got me messed up. But I, I, on the Jacksonville side, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence is 
questionable to play. Uh, it's leaning towards Trevor Lawrence is going to play. Here's the way I, I, I look at it. Uh, Trevor Lawrence made the comeback against Detroit last week when people thought he might be done for the year. Uh, you had the Twitter doctor saying, you know, ACL, MCL injury. Uh, Trevor Lawrence comes back out in less than a half hour and plays the game, which was, <laughs> which uh, I mean, was the definition of the Undertaker memes, like just rising up with, with the eyes rolling. Um, but on the Jacksonville side, uh, you know, people are going to try to go back to Travis Etienne. I- I'm not necessarily seeing the play. Uh, my my end of things is kind of looking at it from the perspective of. If you're the Jags, how how are you going to attack this team? I think you still have to attack this team through the air. The question becomes, is there enough opportunity for uh, the Jags to work the offense when Trevor Lawrence hasn't practiced pretty much the entire week? That that's to, to me that's the the uh, long and short of uh, th- this week uh, for the Jags is. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence might play, but, you know, what have they actually worked on game plan wise? Because he hasn't taken any practice reps uh, with the injury for the most part. So uh, he's missed practice a couple of days this week. Uh, You know, we're getting late in the year. Uh, If you're the Jags, do you take that many chances on Trevor Lawrence if he takes a couple of hits? That, to me, is the real question is, uh, you know, could you you get uh, Trevor Lawrence... uh, involved like with throwing big pass plays down the field yeah without question but at the same time I kind of look at it from the standpoint of realistically we probably get more along the lines of like kind of just doing a run first kind of game where yeah you get ETN but ETN's banged up so you may get more you may get more Jermichael Hasty and things that so I'm not as sold on the Jag side of things. Uh, to me, there, there are more question marks with this game. It's a 41 total, but I'm not as confident with uh, the uh, designation of uh, targets. Christian Kirk always in play for the Jags as, as their uh, top option. But this, again, it comes down to how much time has Lawrence had to kind of work, uh, work through... Uh, practice because if he's off, you know, I'm not necessarily interested in paying, uh, you know, Christian Kirk. I mean, basically, you're 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 basically banking on Christian Kirk delivering at 6600. Like that's a there's a healthy like a uh, array of people. Like you can get Tyler Lockett with the possibility of DK Metcalf missing the game today at 6500. Like it, it to me, it's. It's a little hard to justify Christian Kirk's pricing. And, again, the Trevor Lawrence pricing, uh, he's not exactly cheap either. So it's it's an interesting dynamic here where you got Lawrence at 5,700. You, you would think that, yeah, that's a good play, but if Derrick Henry goes off, this game's going to run quick on the clock. It's not going to be a passing fest. Uh, so there may not be nearly as many plays available to run to, to, to make sure you hit value. So that's why I look at that Jags-Titans game. That's a potential trap game uh, for people to get sucked into because Derrick Henry could have a good game and still only run for like 100 yards and a touchdown or two. If he gets a second touchdown, great. But if he only gets one touchdown and he's over 100, that like at certain 900, that may, that's probably not going to get it done. So you need him to absolutely smash, and I'm, I'm not I'm not entirely sold that uh, the Jags are going to be compliant with uh, slowing the game down to do so. All right, uh, the Jets and Bills. I just think that this is way way uh, mis uh, mischaracterized. Uh, we've seen this Bills team f up enough games with as heavy favorites that. The Jets have a chance of winning this game, and the Jets are 10-point underdogs. I don't understand this spread. I really don't. The Jets are not that much worse than the Bills because of their defense. Their offense, while not great, is still light years ahead of where they were with Zach Wilson. They should have beaten the Vikings last week. If they beat the Vikings last week, 
This line is four and a half. Because they lost at the goal line to the Vikings, uh, this line's ten. You tell me how that makes sense. If the Jets beat the Vikings last week and they go to eight and four, you want to tell me that the Bills are going to be a seven and a half point favorite, let alone a ten point favorite against the Jets? Come on. They're not going to get that line. This line is entirely dependent on people not paying attention to what went down last week. So, to me, the Jets are one of the best bets of the week as a dog because I I honestly think that the Bills find ways of screwing up games, especially Josh Allen. And, yeah, do I think the Bills will still win this game? Yeah, I still think the Bills win this game, but it ain't going to be that clean. The Jets are going to make it difficult for them. And we've seen this Bills team have enough games where they start making mistakes, get sloppy, and they let the other team back in the game. I I think the Jets are very much live to pull off an upset here. But I do think betting on them as a dog, it makes a ton of sense. I'm very much on the Jets train today. Uh, So I'm firing that line quite a bit. Uh, So I'll take the action on the Jets today against the Bills. Uh, is is the weather going to be a little bit nasty in Buffalo? Yeah, it will, we'll get some snow, but I mean, it, it's not as though it's not as though that there's a uh, like uh, the Jets are un like the Jets don't know how to play in snow games either. Like uh, to me, th- this line doesn't make sense. I think Mike White can throw on this Bills defense. I also think the Jets can run on this Bills defense. Bam Knight. Uh, showed again last week why he's got an upside. Uh, I think you're going to get a solid floor with him. Um, no Michael Carter again. I- I'm good with the Jets. I'm good with the Jets here. I, I think uh, Garrett Wilson is a stud. Uh, I think he's going to pose some problems for the Bills. I-, I I think the Jets have a very real shot of winning this game. Uh, I-, I you know I could get I could, I could have this game completely wrong, but I, I definitely think the-, the Jets are live here. Uh, next up. My Giants against the Eagles. Uh, Eagles seven-point favorites over the Giants. I, I want to know how the Eagles keep struggling week to week, have one uh, big game against the Titans, and now are uh, a seven-point favorite on the road. I, it's not that the Giants are good, but the Giants play solid. The Giants should not have the defensive communication breakdowns that Tennessee had last week. A.J. Brown had the revenge game of revenge games, got his GM fired, literally got his GM fired. John Robinson doesn't get fired from the Titans if A.J. Brown doesn't go off last week. That That's what it came down to. He made that trade look silly. And I've been telling everybody from the mountaintops how dumb that trade was because he... Uh, the Titans gift-wrapped the NFC East to the Eagles. With that being said, are the Eagles the better team? Without question. I mean, we saw the Giants have the Spider-Man meme game against uh, Washington where neither team could actually do anything. A game ends in a draw, and it was the most fair result possible based off of what these teams do. But we just saw this uh, uh, Commanders team take, take care of business against the Eagles on Monday Night Football with the Eagles as a heavy favorite, and you're telling me now that I'm supposed to take the Eagles, who lost at home to the Commanders, lost at home to the Commanders on Monday Night Football. I'm supposed to take the Eagles as a seven-point favorite against the Giants on the road when we just saw the, uh, the Commanders and Giants cancel each other out. And we're, we're, we're going to uh, learn nothing from the Eagles' game against the Commanders that the Eagles can't struggle against the Giants. Come on. Come on. Like, like to me, this is a teaser game. You tease the Giants side. If Philly wins by a touchdown, they win by a touchdown. But you tease the Giants side. You force Philly to win this game by two touchdowns. I don't see it happening. But Philly could win this game by uh, a touchdown. I'm not going to say no. Because, like, the Giants always play tough, so... Philly could always get a late touchdown and, and 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 win by touchdown, but don't tell me that this is not going to be a close game in the fourth quarter. If we've watched enough of these teams throughout the year, the Giants play teams tough, 
Philly struggles against teams with good uh, defensive lines with the Giants have. Like, this line is wide. It is way wider than it should be. Like I'm, I'm just, like, I'm not saying this is a homer. I'm just saying this line is wide. The Giants are not that good, but the Giants do things that Philly does not like. So th- this is one of those games where I'm looking at the line, and I think the line's wrong. I, I definitely am on the Giants side of this equation here if I'm betting this game. I'm, I'm taking the Giants side of it at, at plus seven. But I also will say this is a good teaser spot where you can tease the Giants up further and just uh, and, and cover yourself and throw it in with some of these games like the Ravens uh, spot or the Jets. Like, some of these lines are wide. Uh, you know, if, if you don't feel confident, like, I just don't see uh, teams winning these divisional matchups by two scores today. I'm not seeing the two-score matchup. We're going to get into another one today uh, 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 in a bit later, but it's like uh, with our matchup of the day, essentially, at 1 o'clock, Minnesota and Detroit. Detroit is a slight favorite, but it's less than three, so they're giving respect to the, uh, the Vikings side. It's a 51.5 total. We've seen the Lions blow games. We know the Lions' defense isn't that great. So we know Justin Jefferson's in play. Dalvin Cook's in play. It's a 51 total. It's the only game with a total over 50. Everyone in DFS is going to be targeting this game. So, some people are going to try to game stack it. God bless, because you're going to need to max 150 to get it done. And I'm not game stacking a game where I got to rely on Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins in a high-pressure situation. Because this is a big game. The Vikings are 10-2. No one believes in the Vikings. The, uh, the Lions need to win this game to keep their playoff hopes alive at 5-7. and seven. This is a big game. The Vikings are trying to lock down first place uh, in the NFC. They're going to be one of the softest seats in the playoffs, for sure. But they're trying to lock down the overall number one seed. I think Detroit, between Ron St. Brown and their run game, they can actually do some damage against the Vikings. We saw the Jets move the ball up and down against the Vikings. Uh in, in Minnesota last week. We're, we're back in on turf again in, in Detroit. I think the, the Lions are going to move the ball very effectively. The question is, who's running the ball for the Lions? Now, the trendy pick from uh, the DFS standpoint has gone to DeAndre Swift at 5,800 because DeAndre Swift's uh, uh, rush attempts went up and he did outsnap Jamal Williams 51% to 49%. But I also go with the caveat of Who's getting the goal line work? Jamal Williams is $5,900 for $100 more and is still getting the goal line work. He got there last week because of the goal line work. Why are we assuming that DeAndre Swift, whom they always try to limit carries on, is going to outsnap him two weeks in a row? We haven't seen it yet. I'm not saying DeAndre Swift is a bad play. I am saying it's a questionable play when Jamal Williams is still healthy and still getting the goal line work. I'll take the extra 100 bucks with Jamal Williams and bank on with little ownership because the, uh, it looks as though uh, DeAndre Swift is projected for 17% ownership. I will take Jamal Williams at f- uh, at 4% or ownership or less, which is what's being projected. People will seem to be thinking that DeAndre Swift has taken over the role again. I'm not sold on that. I think there's a better chance that James Cook has taken over the starting uh, back role for uh, the Bills where you could play uh, James Cook at 4,600 uh, over Devin Singletary. And I'm and I'm not going to begrudge anyone doing that because I don't think uh, Devin Singletary's gotten enough carries <laughs> to justify a 5,700 price tag. It, to me, the DeAndre Swift play is kind of wild where yeah it's a 51 total but i i think jamal williams gets more work this week i i it's like i'm not using a one week sample size to give give it back to jamal uh to give it back to deandre swift uh and i and i have deandre swift in a bunch of leagues in season long it's been a rough year for me in season long because of guys like deandre swift losing their jobs uh you know it is what it is but 
I just look at this from the standpoint of Jamal Williams is absolutely in play, and he's going to be hardly owned. I, I love Jamal Williams this week. It's a 51 total. Goal line work. Why wouldn't you want to play the guy who's getting the goal line work and leads the NFL in touchdowns? To me, it's absolutely wild that uh, DeAndre Swift is the is the popular play when De- uh, Jamal Williams is still right there. I, I I'm I'm just going to disagree with the uh, the fi- the field on this one. It's like I'll play I'll play uh, Jamal Williams uh, over DeAndre Swift. I'll still have some DeAndre Swift lineups where I have Jamal Williams in, in, in the spot, and I'll just swap out uh, DeAndre Swift instead of. Uh, Williams, since it's just uh, it's going to cost me a hundred dollars less, but in terms of the builds, the builds are going to be based off of Jamal Williams uh, getting the bulk of work of the carries and uh, getting the goal line work. But yeah, I'll still play some Swift lineups with uh, J- uh, Jamal Williams. I just think that it, it, it's pretty clear to me that like uh, Jamal Williams just got a little bit of a breather last week, and he's still the lead back. So we'll see how it goes, but. Uh, yeah, that's going to do it for the early games. We're going to take a quick commercial break uh, and circle back with the late games uh, after uh, we hear from the sponsor. So stick around, and we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. All right, we are back, and let's get right into it. The 405 game, Broncos flexed out, thankfully, to save our eyeballs for Sunday Night Football to watch something else. Other than Russell Wilson struggled to run this inept offense against uh, the Chiefs who are coming in. Uh, pissed off losing to the Bengals. Chiefs, okay, we talked about like not taking a double-digit uh, uh, division rival favorite games. This might be the one exception to the rule. Because the Chiefs are annoyed. The Broncos' offense is broken. It is broken. Broken, uh, broken to the extent that people are actually suggesting Latavius Murray being played today in DFS. Like, why on earth are we playing Latavius Murray against the Chiefs' run defense? Yes, P. Ryan got there eventually with over 100 yards. Eventually is the key, key operative word there because uh, they uh, the, uh, the Bengals had to get the Chiefs in bad situations just to get P. Ryan over 100 yards. Like, they, they had to work at it. Uh, the Broncos, they're not going to be moving the ball that much against the Chiefs. I, I don't care what anybody says. Sutton's out. Judy, we don't even know what the hell's going on with Jerry Judy and Russell Wilson. Like, in in terms of communication, the pass routes suck. Like, the the game design for the Broncos sucks. Everything about the Broncos is broken. The, The offense only works when Russell Wilson is scrambling and doing the sandbox plays like he's in Seattle still. Like, this offense doesn't work. And you're telling me I want I'm taking Latavius Murray against the Chiefs run defense? Like, come on! Like, this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make any sense. Like, I, you know, again, the Dolchich play. Yes, the Broncos are going to be down. They're going to be down. So Dolchich dump off to the tight end. It makes sense. But if everyone's playing Dolchich, uh, and by everyone, I, I'm I'm saying over thirty percent of the field's playing Dolchich. It's getting a little bit harder with some of these plays. If you're playing Dolchich and you're playing the uh, Vikings and you're playing the Lions, exactly where are you differentiating your lineup from everyone else? Like, that's the thing. When we're trying to do the 150 and, like, solo ship a contest, uh, it it gets harder. If we're doing cash, I don't have any problems with Dolchich at all. Like, it's a great cash game play. Like, it makes sense from a cash game play, uh... To do Dolchich. Like, I'm, I'm not going to say Dolchich is a bad play. What I am saying is, it's really, really hard to get different uh, how to get different. Uh, like, I, I just don't see how you're getting different playing Dolchich in the tight end spot and targeting uh, 
I mean, it's it, like it's uh, to me, it's hard. It's hard getting different with this don't you? because it's a weird thing. You think you're saving money, you think you're saving money, but the way you're uh, you're building, most people are building. I think Dolchich is leading people into playing Abon Ross St. Brown and Justin Jefferson. And when you run Justin Jefferson, it's kind of leading you into kind of playing either uh, Geno Smith or a Tyler Huntley to save some money uh, on the QB unless you're playing golf uh, or cousins and, and just try to correlate there. Like, I, I, I think it limits your player pool more than people realize when you're going with Dolchis because he, yeah, it's 3400 but if everyone's playing there and then everyone's trying to play similar good plays, it's tough. I, I Like, I'm... I'm the, and I can see Dolchich busting. Like that's the thing. Like it's not as though Dolchich is that safe. We can see the Broncos struggle and Dolchich only catch three passes for 30, uh, 37 yards. There's a real possibility that could happen. We've seen the Broncos struggle moving the ball for wide swaths of games. That I, I don't see how anyone can feel confident that Dolchich is getting over fifty yards uh, receiving today. His yardage prop is at 42. It, like, it's not as though he he's this lock of a play, like, where it's like he, his yardage prop is in the 40s. His receiving prop's at three and a half. Like, that tells you that even Vegas thinks he's probably coming in at, like, 10 points. And projection-wise, he's coming in at 10 points. The projection's pretty odd, but it's like, Okay, you're just selling for 10, but if you're playing the exact same plays and you don't really have a ceiling unless he gets in the end zone, I'm not, I think it's a cash game play. And it's only a cash game play. In tournaments, I'm having a tough time making making a Dolchitz lineup work unless I do something kind of off the board in terms of the wide receivers to get a little bit different. And I, I still think you can play other tight ends that have way higher ceilings this week. So to me, like we like the Chiefs side, like betting the Chiefs at nine and a half. I mean, you know, you can do it, but it's like there, there's risk to it. There's always a chance that the Broncos could backdoor cover this, but the Kansas City's winning this game. Like that's the long and short of it. the The question is more: Do the Broncos put up a decent enough fight to? keep the uh, the fantasy interest going for a guy like Dolchich. Because if they get way down, I mean, yeah, you could say that Dolchich is going to get garbage time work, but it's like, are they going to give him garbage time? Or like, it, we, we've we've just seen the Broncos fail enough times on TV that I'm not, like, I, I wouldn't feel, I wouldn't feel confident giving Dolchich as a play today. Now, I'll just leave it at that. I think it's perfectly fine for cash. For tournaments, I I just think that it's I'm I'm not I'm not sold on it. I'm really not sold on this. It's like the projections will pop for Dolchich, but I just think there are other plays I would project higher, and I, I'm I'm just gonna be way under the field on Dolchich today. Like I you know if he beats me, he beats me uh, as massive chalk. But you know I I got I just have to be honest with. Uh, the way I'm looking at the slate, I just don't think Dolchich is a tournament play at, at tight end. He's a cash game play. I don't think he's a great tournament play. All right. Where were we? So we got the Broncos game out of the way. Uh, the other game I'm looking at, and this is the weirdest one of the day in my opinion. It's Carolina and Seattle. Because teams have been getting throttled in Seattle. This Panthers team isn't playing for much. Sam Darnold's still under QB uh, for uh, the Panthers. And I think Carolina's just going to run it at Seattle and that run defense. I just like Dante Foreman today against the Seattle defense. Dante Foreman is somehow priced at 5400 Seattle's defense is at 2300 We may not get DK Metcalf in this game. There's a very real chance DK Metcalf misses this game, and then you only have to worry about Tyler Lockett. I, I have no issues playing Dante Foreman lineups with uh, Panthers defense, and 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 rolling with it. Like to me, 
that's how you get different and 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 can survive playing a Dolchich lineup. You got to do something goofy and and a little bit different off the board. To me, this is the way to do it. It's like you play down to Foreman and the Panthers defense. Then you can play the the chalk plays for uh, the Minnesota and Detroit games. That's the way I would look at it. If you're playing Dolchich, this is how you go about doing it. You got to be a little bit off the board because Dante Foreman is not exactly popping on a lot of pl- uh, places in terms of lineup builds because he, he's a little banged up. But to me, it's the same story as the people who want to be playing Travis Etienne with a foot injury last week as Dante Foreman. Dante Foreman's $1,000 less and has half the ownership projection of ETN. Uh, like, it's the exact same narrative against a worse run defense. Like, Foreman is going up against a worse run defense than what ETN's going up against with the Titans' run defense. To me, Foreman's a better play than ETN, and people are still trying to justify Travis ETN. It's not as though we're saying that Dante Foreman's a great runner, but it's like, it's clear that he's got the better matchup. And the Panthers want to run the ball. So why wouldn't we play Dante Foreman? Chippa Hubbard is not taking that role from him. Like, he's going to get some work, but, like, it's clear that uh, Foreman is the number one back there. So, to me, I like Foreman. You can correlate it with uh, the Panthers' defense. You hope DK misses the game, and it's a tougher game for Geno in the offense. Now, on the the flip side... Geno Smith and the Seattle offense can still get there. Like, we could get, like, a defensive touchdown, pay off the value of the Panthers' defense off the bat, and Geno Smith could still throw for 300 yards and some touchdowns and Tyler Lockett be in the winner. Like, that's the weird thing about this slate is that, you know, so many people are going to be concentrating on that uh, uh, Detroit-Minnesota game. Geno Smith could be that unowned QB that just targets a, a, a receiver and gets off. And if DK Metcalf misses, Tyler Lockett becomes one of the best plays on the slate because he's just going to get all the reception from uh, Geno Smith. So it, it's just one of those things where, yeah, I get people just locking in uh, the Detroit-Minnesota uh, game early, but there's a chance that if DK misses, both the uh, Panthers defense and the Seattle offense are good plays. And normally you wouldn't say, like, you shouldn't play a defense and and an offense uh, uh, that you're targeting in in your same builds, but there's a chance that uh, uh, the Panthers' defense causes some turnovers for Geno and and pays off their value. But with the uh, the total being uh, where it is at uh, 44.5, I don't think Seattle scores enough points to really punish you with playing Panthers' defense. If it gets you where... Uh, your build construction needs to be with certain skill position plays. I think Panthers defense is more than fine. And I still think you could target uh, the Seattle uh, uh, plays. Uh, Now, if DK Metcalf plays, then, yeah, it's a little bit of a trickier story because there's a chance that uh, Geno could still get there, but he's spreading the ball around enough that uh, Lockett or Metcalf may not get there. It, it, it really depends on the volume. But if, if DK Metcalf sits and it's just Tyler Lockett getting the bulk share of the, uh, the pass attempts, you go from there. Plus, Seattle's going to try to run the ball with Travis Homer because, uh, you know, of injuries. Uh, there's likely, it's likely that, um, you know, it, it, like Kenneth Walker is likely to miss the game. Uh, Travis Homer likely to be playing. I mean, you know, it, it's a, uh, it's it, it 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 could be a Travis Homer day, and you know we got a late swap to get there. Like that's that's the weird part. It's like we could end up late swapping, and switch off the Dante Foreman play and go to Travis Homer, and you know. You, you you just you just pivot uh, you pivot your defense, and and you and you pivot the defense to whatever uh, whatever is left where you might end up you might end up having to uh, play uh, 
play the running back and and a and a and and a uh, cheap defense still in the late window, like uh, the Bucks or something like that. Like the, the, there there are ways where we may end up getting stuck, but I don't necessarily look at it being stuck. I just think that we need the injury news. But if uh, both DJ Dallas and um, Kenneth Walker are out, Travis Homer becomes one of those interesting value plays at 5K because you know Seattle's going to try to run the ball. So, you know, th- that's the thing. It's like you have to like be co- cognizant of some of these uh, lineup changes because, to me, I think you could do a Gino lineup with Travis Homer and be very interesting in terms of uh, the build construction. So, uh, like I said, it can be a little bit daunting in in some of these types of weeks where you, you're waiting on news, but if the news breaks the right way, it can be very profitable, Dave. So, that's all I got, folks. Uh, I mean, in terms of this matchup. Uh, we, we also have the San Francisco-Tampa Bay matchup that I really don't want to talk about because, frankly, it's Brock Purdy under center. Brady is struggling mightily with his throws. San Fran's defense is solid enough. We know what the Bucks are going to try to do, spread the ball around. It, like, Leonard Fournette might play, he might not play, but the the Bucks' offense is still struggling so mightily with a 37 total. Debo Samuel might uh, may be back with, at six to three hundred, but to me, this is I treat this as an island game. I don't see enough happening in this game to be relevant enough from a fantasy discussion. And I and, and you know, San Fran with a uh, seventh round QB under center, I don't like that line at three and a half. I hate the hook. I think Tampa plays it close and you know probably covers in a loss, but losing by three, it's like. This is one of those games where it's too tight that I don't want to bet it. And from a DFS standpoint, I don't want exposure to it either because I don't see a lot of value here. I don't see the value. So, you know, call me crazy, but this one's like one of those write the game off and move on from there. Uh, Sunday Night Football, I haven't looked looked at showdown pricing yet, but it's a 54.5 total and it's the Chargers. And the Chargers cost me very dearly at King of the Beach last week. Because Brandon Staley is still an idiot at head coach. And I don't blame Brandon Staley because I know he's an idiot. I blame myself for putting faith in Brandon Staley to be competent at his job for once. So I blame myself, even though the build made a ton of sense. The fact that Brandon Staley can't put uh, Austin Eckler and (laughs) Keenan Allen in alternate between which one goes in the slot when it's their best offensive uh, package, is mind-boggling. I expect this uh, Dolphins offense to be able to shred this defense. Even though this defense has Derwin James and so many other uh, named players on defense, the Chargers are incompetently coached. And I'm looking forward to seeing Tua, in prime time, air the ball out against this Chargers defense. Because Derwin James may not even make the game today. And without Derwin James, I even want, I want to target the Dolphins passing attack even more. So I, I don't even need to look at the pricing. I already know it's going to be Tua captain, Cheetah captain, and Waddle captain for me, and we roll through the rest of the lineups and figure it out from there. But I'm playing those three as captains and, and start sorting out which Chargers pieces I want to take advantage of because Brandon Staley can't run his offense properly. Because it, it, it's just mind-boggling how ineffective uh, he is at using Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. So, we're going to have to make some harsh, uh, hard decisions on which Chargers pieces we want to use. Because they could all bust because the Chargers don't actually know how to put their best players in the best position uh, offensively. So... I expect Miami to do quite well. I expect Miami to crush, easily cover the three. I think they win by more than a touchdown. And we're probably going to get the avalanche of news of Brandon Staley is going to get fired at the end of the year because at 6-6, six and six, Chargers lose another game. They're probably not making the playoffs with seven losses in the AFC as tough as the AFC is this year. It's, it's just I don't see a seven-loss uh, seven team making the playoffs this year for the AFC. 
I, I just think it's going to be, uh, I just think it's going to be tough for the Chargers with their remaining schedule. So, um, yeah, after that, uh, yeah, that's the Sunday slate of games. Monday night football, we got New England and Arizona. I mean, it's going to be a rough one, uh, truth be told, because I hate looking at both of these teams. Um, so we're going to cover that game uh, most likely later today or tomorrow. Um, uh, we'll see. But uh, early, early look at it, I, I mean, whew. I don't want to take the Arizona side on Monday night football, but Bill Belichick versus Cliff Kingsbury is one of the like greatest coaching mismatches in Monday night football history, period. As bad as the overall talent on the Pats is, uh, I, I got to go with the coaching in in that matchup. But uh, uh, that's a story for another uh, time. Uh, we got to uh, wrap it up here. So thanks for listening, folks. Best of luck today in terms of your contest and all your bets. So th- uh, again, thanks for listening. Enjoy the football. And until next time, have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major outlets.